We need money for a new stand, so I'm going to give to that this morning. You can. That was, uh, thank you. Awesome, good times. Hey guys, welcome, and I'm um, Steve, pastor here at Vintage. We are glad that you were here. Seriously, if you did not, if you're a first-time guest and did not get a gift, we definitely want to get that to you, so make sure that that happens, and uh, that'd be awesome. All right, let's dive in. This morning, we have uh, been in 1 Corinthians for, I mean, golly, now it's like six months, and and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're, we're nearing um, the end of it. Never to look at it ever again. I'm just kidding. Um, but we're in chapter 14 uh, this morning. If you your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't know, chapter 12, 13, and 14 is, is Paul and his great love and affection as a, as a spiritual father coming in these chapters specifically and really correcting their expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the gift of the Holy Spirit is kind of foreign to you. I invite you to go back and listen to some of the messages and then come for the upcoming weeks as we talk about some of these things. But, but it's just real, real simple. Jesus loves his people. And when he left, he had one plan to save the world through us, the body of Christ what you call the church. And he recognized that unless he equipped them, they just wouldn't do a very good job of it. And so he said, well, the very things that I moved in and the the expressions of the Holy Spirit that I moved in during my time on earth, specifically in his three years of ministry, I'm going to give those as gifts to the body of Christ, to the church, to the, the people of God, so that they can be equipped in the same way that I was equipped, so they can do what I did. That's why John, that's why Jesus said, when I leave, you'll do the exact, you'll do the things that I've been doing, even greater things than these, and I go to my Father. And if you look at the, the, the context of that, it's in the context of the working of miracles and the healings, these gifts that we find that they're expressed in the Holy Spirit, okay? And so the idea is just real simple. Paul's coming and saying, guys, you are moving in all of the gifts. You're just not doing it very well, right? You're just not expressing love very well. Like the source of these is that God loves people and he wants to love people through you. And you're pretty much looking at them and the gifts as how you can use them to be spiritually elite and better than everybody else. Shame. He didn't use the word shame, but I am. It's like you're, just not, you're, not, you're not doing it right. So he takes 12 and 13 and chapter 14 to help correct their expression and the way that they are using the gifts of the Holy Spirit that they've been equipped with to do ministry, to love people specifically who don't know Jesus. And then specifically people who are inside the body. And I say it that way because I want you to recognize it's the gifts are to be used in the body for one another and also outside of the body for those who don't know Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? So the idea is like when, when, you, when you give it to Jesus, you go down into death and you're raised up to new life. The Holy Spirit brings like... It's like one of those movies that you see when everybody goes to like Macy's and they walk out with all these presents so much you can't see the person's face. And that's kind of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus comes and makes residence, residence in our heart. He says, I want to bring you all of my gifts. I want to bring these gifts, these specific gifts that I have for you. 
And so I just kind of lay that out. Some of you are like, we know that, Steve. Right? So you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It is. Right? It is amazing. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. So let's just jump into 1 Corinthians 14. I'm letting you know in advance, just to freak you out, we're talking about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy this morning. So you went, oh no, right? What's he going to say? The gift of tongues. Oh my. Is he going to practice? Is he going to show us? That would be weird, right? So this morning, right, we're just going to dive in and see what the Bible has to say, what Paul was trying to say to the church at Corinth. It says this, verse 1. Pursue love. Influence. We can go home, right? Pursue love. Everybody say it loudly. Pursue love. My gosh. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's so awkward. I don't even know the people next to me. Did they even say it? I'm not sure they said it. Do it again, Steve. Make them say it. I'm not going to, right? But the idea is they pursue love. Let's just press pause for a moment and say, Jesus, the gifts are only healthy if they are an expression of your love, and I'm using them to radically express Jesus' love to people around me who need it. Let me just tell you real quick, I need to be loved I'm saying this half jokingly, half serious. I need to be loved every day, and I wish people would do it through the gifts of the Holy Spirit so I could, Jesus could love me through you. Like, you see what I'm getting at? It's like I'm saying, like I, I come with need. You come with need. And Jesus is saying, pursue love, okay? Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There's the same level of urgency here. And earnestly Desire. I mean, like these two words put together, it's so powerful. Earnestly, with fervency, with zeal, desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And now, Paul, to jump into why prophecy is better than tongues in the context of the body of Christ. Hear this. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Just press pause. Are you seeing a theme? Like when let me just this Bible 101 here. When you read scripture, if something said more than once or twice, you need to pay attention. Because it's a theme. It's a direction that the the writer that Jesus, through the writer, is trying to lead us to. So what you're finding here is he's saying, equip the body a lot. Okay? The one, verse 4, the one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Why? Unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. already read that, right? Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues... How will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So 
intelligible words, things we can understand, right? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation to the Spirit, which is great, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. A little cocky maybe right there. Right? But then verse 19. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. All right. So, again, we're focusing attention on the two specific gifts which Paul focuses his attention on, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues given by God's Spirit to equip for ministry. Why? Because these are the two primary issues facing the Corinthian church. It's the two, the two gifts that they are most out of balance in. It's the two things that ultimately kind of compete with one another in their minds, and they have this struggle that they're dealing with. They don't realize it, but Paul sees it. Paul did not want them then in this to be uninformed about these gifts, like we said last week. And the idea of being uninformed, their ignorance, their ignorance is focused on the use of the gifts, not on the gifts themselves. And so as we come this morning to talk about the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues, and somewhere inside of our stomach is like, oh, where's he going to go? I'm already a little nervous. I want us to recognize that feeling is part of where our ignorance and our struggle lies that we want to allow to settle this morning so that we actually love talking about all the gifts that Jesus created for us and that we celebrate them. I want to be celebrators of gifts, not cringers of the gifts. And we want to become celebrators want to understand what they're about. And so this morning, we want to say, recognize that honestly, if we're honest, a lot of us have the ignorance about the gifts themselves. We don't know much about them. We don't know how to use them. And God wants us to be awakened in this, wants us to be comfortable talking about it. And we want to recognize that, yes, these have been two of the most divisive gifts in the body of Christ for a long time. We saw it all the way back in like the, the heresy, the Montanists back in whatever that was, like 196 A.D. Those who really kind of gave themselves to these ecstatic prophetic experiences. And they were literally deemed heresy all the way up until people in the 1900s in the Azusa Street Revival, where it was a great movement of God where blacks and whites together in worship then took this theology of the gifted tongues. And said, now this is the only 
only way a person can be filled with the Holy Spirit, we can know, is that they speak in tongues, and all of a sudden a wedge divided the church because you can't find that anywhere in Scripture. So we've had this divisiveness. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Number one, again, I don't know everything. I'm going to say in one of these sections here a little bit that one of these is my personal understanding and theology of something. But I know others have others, and I'm actually can honor that, right? And so when we talk about the gifts, get off your high horse on either side, and let's pursue love. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, here we go. Let's dive in. Verse one says, "Pursue love, earnestly desire gifts, especially prophecy." You could, we've already kind of already done, so we could stop when reading this and take, just kind of take Paul at his word, right? Our pursuit of love grounds us. We must be expressing and desiring to express love. We must earnestly desire the gifts. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, and I specifically in the body of Christ, for the building of the body, I want you to pursue the gift of prophecy. In doing your homework this past week, I said, take an honest inventory of your life. Take an honest inventory of your knowledge of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, your understanding of the the gifts, your expression of the gifts. Take an honest inventory of your pursuit of the gifts. I wonder where you landed on your homework. Like, did you do it? Did you think about it? Did you allow the the struggles you have or the questions that you have, the desires that you have just to kind of to raise up inside of you? It's one of those things when reading this that Paul's words all throughout different parts of Scripture, like especially in like Romans and Hebrews, can be a little confusing sometimes. Even Peter says Paul's words are a little confusing. They're not confusing here. He's being really straightforward in verse 1. We let them sink in. Pursue love. Our primary energy given to this pursuit. Earnestly desire the gifts. Do we? Like, I'll be honest with you. When someone in my family gets sick, I earnestly desire the working of miracles and the gift of healing. Do I desire it to the same degree when someone in my personal family that I feel is not that sick? I'm not sure. Although the people in the body who are experiencing that. And so he's saying earnestly desire the gifts. Why? Because Jesus wants to love people every day through us. Earnestly with great zeal. I read this, I take it at face value and think Paul actually meant what he said. He wasn't trying to like confuse us really quick with some cool word in the Greek. No, he's saying, I want you to earnestly desire them. That's the desire of the spirit, right? Desire the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Especially the gift of prophecy. And then in verse 12, this is number two, he kind of focused. So we're in this place to pursue love, earnestly desire gifts, especially prophecy. Where are we in that? We're going after these things. Verse 12 says, since you were eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And so I skip all the way down to verse 12 because verses 2 through 11 and talking about tongues and prophecy specifically relates to this point. Paul's getting at, and he says it again and again and again. We're going to look at some of these, these expressions here. But, but he's coming and saying in this conversation, around the gifts, especially around the gifts of prophecy in tongues, that, that revolves around this one primary purpose that defined Paul's life, building up the church. Like, I'll be honest with you. I read through this this week, and I got really convicted 
like the weight of God's truth sunk deep into me. Because in this moving forward in discussion, these two hotly debated, you know, gift of tongues, or two hotly uh, debated gifts of tongues and prophecy, I was awakened saying, God, we talk about the gifts, but really the primary pursuit of Paul in the midst of all this was to lead people to saying, the primary pursuit in this is to build up the church. And then I went, Jesus, does that really what I wake up for? Is that why people at Vintage wake up so that they can build up the church or so they can receive from Jesus? Like I'm around most, most Christians I'm around want something. They want breakthrough. They want healing. They want restoration. They want, they want, they want. There's nothing wrong necessarily with that, but I don't see many people who say, I've devoted my life to building up the body to be who God's called to be to prepare it for the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus is like a big five. It's like we're going to have a marriage ceremony. God's preparing his bride, father preparing bride for his son. Are we preparing? Are we building up the church? Look at it in verse 2 and 3. It says, For one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries of the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. It's a building up of the body. Verse 4, The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with building up self. That's not what I'm getting. I'm saying, but it has to be secondary to the building up of the church. Verse 5, that's what Paul's getting. And I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy, because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. Oh my gosh, he's saying they're greater. He's simply saying they're greater at building up the church. They have greater impact in building up the body of Christ. Doesn't mean greater as in like great issues like, like, yeah, you're better and you're less than. No, it's like it's just better at building up the body of Christ. And so we see it as the focus of Paul's conversation. Therefore, our focus of the conversation around the gifts and to get the tongues and prophecy must revolve around the building up of the church and make that our priority in our conversation. We're not just here to get our theology right. We're here to prepare ourselves to build up the body, to strengthen the body, to give the best of our energies, to build the people up who are sitting next to you. Because something distant, something beautiful happens in the church. If we each start giving ourselves to the building up of the church, then that means everybody else is building me up too. And it's this beautiful peace. It's like a healthy marriage of mutually pursuing one another, mutually loving one another, mutually doing the best to serve one another. So you're all then, then each of you being loved and preferred and served. Did you come this morning to get something from Jesus or to build the body up? It's the great danger of Sunday morning gatherings. I'm going to go and receive a word from Jesus and then go home. Surely I got what I needed. Jesus, though, I'm bringing you so that you will build up everybody else so that everyone can receive. We have to be at this place of Paul getting at. It's about building up the body. This is the primary focus of the conversation. You have to ask yourself, how much time... Mental time, mental energy, physical time, physical energy in your life is focused 
on building up the church as your primary purpose? I just think it's a great question to ask ourselves. Not to like condemn you, make you feel bad about yourself, because that wouldn't be very Christ-like. It's just to be honest with you about what Paul's saying that's pretty clear. The idea of like the, the, the bugle. He's saying the bugle is like the gift of tongues. If it's not actually playing the right notes, then it's not actually preparing you for war. It's not building you up. All the instruments are great. Unless they're not actually hitting notes. And then what does it sound like? Crap. There's nothing worse than going to a go somewhere and like, unless it's like your three-year-old, right? Like, I'm getting out of here, right? So which leads us then to tongues and prophecy in the New Testament. It's number three. So now that we've kind of laid this foundation, eagerly desire, pursue, right? Pursue love. Make all this. Your, prim- your primary focus is not to make sure I get my theology right. The priority here is to make sure we're focusing on building up the church, tongues and prophecy. So let's kind of look at tongues this morning, get through tongues. So, I'm gonna, I, I, so I'll be honest with you. I took this. There's a guy named Wayne Grudem, a good reformed theologian who, who wrote a book called Systematic Theology. I took this from him. Like, like, I thought it was so profound. I thought, man, it's so clear. It's so easy. And so a lot of the stuff is taken from him. There's a few of the books that I have. There's a guy named Kevin Kinghorn. That's a professor at Asbury Seminary. I wrote a great book. I took some from Peter Wagner over here in the charismatic world, right? I took some from David Garland, the theologian over here. So I took four different resources, four different streams of theology, four different streams in the body of Christ. And so I think it's pretty cool to do that. And so here we go. Tongues. This is how Wayne defines this. Prayer or praise to God spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. I just made like one sentence. Because I do a lot better with one sentence than like six, right? Let's just be honest. Prayer or praise to God spoken in syllables or language not understood by the speaker. And the source of the message is the spirit of the person that's been made alive by the Holy Spirit. So it says in verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So you know this. Just real quick. You go down into death with a dead spirit. When you're raised back to, the new, to a new life, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, comes and fills that part of your spirit. And now you're alive spiritually. And so what he's saying is my spirit, my spirit just breaks. come alive and just begins to worship, begins to praise God, right? Second thing, this is, I'm, I'm going to do more teaching this morning, so just kind of take notes on this. Tongues is directed to God. Not to man. So I don't like to look at barriers. We're going, blah, 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 whatever in tongues. That doesn't make any sense. Why? Because it says very clearly in First chapter 14, verse 2, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. And so the idea that our spirit has come alive and our spirit begins to speak in these language and syllables we can't understand. People ask me to go, why? And you know what my answer is? I have no idea. Jesus just thought it'd be the thing he should do and thought it was beneficial. So I trust him. Okay. It's pretty cool that way. So, so we come along. Tongues is directed to God, not man. Third thing, the purpose of tongues is prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Where do we get that? Well, it's verse 14, 15, and 16. Chapter 14. Verse 14 says prayer. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Again, it's not rocket science, guys. It's like he's just being real direct. My spirit prays. Verse 15, my spirit prays. I will sing praise with my spirit. Directed at Barry? 
That'd be awkward. He's a great football coach, but not worthy of my singing in tongues, right? No, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Verse 16. There you are, Gray, bro. I'm just picking on you, right? Verse 16. Thanksgiving. If you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving? So if you're giving thanks to God... Right. And so the idea is tongues is birthed from our spirit. It's this prayer. It's this prayer, this praise and this thanksgiving directed at God. And so in this, then we see the fourth part is it then strengthens the individual, which is powerful, not the whole body, unless it's interpreted. So all I'm getting at is strengthens the individual. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself or herself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So tongues, hear this. This is where we kind of get into some theology. We'll just dip wrong because you're different, it's from your different streams of experience. This is kind of where we're landing at vintage. Tongues is not for the whole church unless it's interpreted. That's what Paul's getting at here, right? So tongues is not for the whole church unless it's interpreted. So then the gift of tongues has two expressions. And hear this. This is kind of a cool part. You have personal prayer time, like personal gifted tongues, like like a, people call it a prayer language. There's no difference. It's the same gifted tongues, but some of it is personal. Sometimes some of it's supposed to be expressed publicly. And so the idea is it's a personal prayer language, right? Prayer language. And the second time is that tongues in the body for the interpretation. So what I'm getting is this person has the gift of tongues. And they're to use it to edify themselves, strengthen the individual, verse 4, right? speaks in the tongue, builds up himself. Why? Because a person's spirit is literally in prayer and in praise and thanksgiving to Jesus. There's no reason for this to be divisive. It's just our spirit so in love with Father God just wants to express prayer and praise and thanksgiving. And so, and, and, and then, and it's a beautiful thing. All right, beautiful thing. And then in the context of tongues for the body of interpretation, right? A person, so let me just say how it works. I don't ever want anybody just standing up in service and going, blah, start speaking in tongues. Why? Because Paul's really clear. Make sure there's someone there who can interpret. It's real simple. Well, Steve, what about these, these services that I've been to? I've been to them also where they say, now everyone just pray in the spirit. And we all just start praying in tongues all the same time. Like I'll never forget as a good Southern Baptist, 14 year old kid, man, who I told y'all, I knew Jesus loved all the church. We really especially love the Baptist. If he came back, he'd be Baptist, right? And I remember sitting in this Baptist church. I'm not going to tell you where, because a lot of you've been to it and sitting there in this. No, 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 no. No, it's in this like this. This, excuse me, the Church of God, the Church of God, charismatic church. And all this, and I didn't know what the gift of tongues was. And all of a sudden, this guy goes, All right, let's all just begin to sing in our prayer language. And I went, What? And I mean, I was throwing skin crawling. I'm like, I've read the Bible. We're not supposed to do this. <laughs> right? It's like, Oh, I don't know what it is. I know we're not supposed to do it like this. And oh, so weird enough. And I was like, Oh, just like singing. I'm like, Huh. So I'm like, God, what is this? And so. What I'm like, what I'm getting at is, I know a lot of people have experienced this, and it's been life-giving for you. And what I would say is this: in my own, this is a personal conviction. You can go read for yourself. But as I read through First Corinthians 14, I would say, is that sin? No, I don't believe that's sin because we love that our our love. We love that our our spirits are praying. But I would definitely say it's not beneficial. 
It's not beneficial. It's not sin, but it's not beneficial. For verse 23, Peter 14 says this. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? What is Paul saying there? He's saying, can you do it? Yes, it's, it's spirits praying. Is it beneficial for the individual? Yes, because it actually edifies you. Is it beneficial for the body, especially for the person in your midst who does not have any idea what you're doing? No, it becomes a stumbling block to them. And I'll just give another verse. It says, beware those who cause my little ones to stumble. That doesn't apply just to mean people. It's also applying to those who in their selfish individualism prefer themselves and say, well, I can do this. I have the freedom to do that. I have freedom in Christ to sing whenever I want to in tongues, to dance around, make everybody else uncomfortable, to wave flags, even though it's really people uncomfortable. No. You have a high level of responsibility to pursue love and to not cause little ones to stumble in your freedoms. Now, I would say this. I, we get in Tuesday morning prayer times up here at Vintage. You should all come, 630. And you know what? There is freedom there to all pray in tongues because we're not unbelievers. You know what we do? We'll sit there and pray, and we'll all of a sudden just kind of our prayer language just start praying. And if Michael's over here, Michael's sinning right here is praying in tongues, I'm not going, oh my gosh, he's in sin. I'm like, oh Jesus, he is being edified and worshiping and praising, and I'm not going to stumble in that because I know what's happening. But I want to be aware, and I want to be cautious because love defines every expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want the gifts to be a stumbling block. They come with a great responsibility. But they're amazing and powerful when used properly. So what does it look like? So if, let's say Jim right here says, comes to me on the front says, or comes to Scott comes to Randall, comes to Timothy. says, hey, these are all kind of people on staff. So I'm just kind of naming that. Timothy right there. All right, Scott here, Randall here. Jim says, I feel like I have a, a word in tongues this morning. And they'll go, all right. We need to highlight those. We have the gift of interpretation. Okay, fantastic. If we don't have one, Jim will go, I don't need to share. It's not about me getting my way and doing what I think I need to do. Do you see how practical it is? It honestly just sounds like being kind and loving, doesn't it? Oh, thank you, Paul, for writing what Jesus said. All right. So let me just make this statement because some people go, oh, my gosh, the Steve anti-tongues. No, I speak in tongues. I love them. I think they're awesome. And I want to see them expressed at Vintage, don't for, I never forget, I was sitting with a guy at Crew, right, Campus Crusade at UCF. There was these two guys. <clears throat> and one guy came from a stream that believed in cessationism, that all the, not all the gifts, but some of them had died, right? <clears throat> Specifically the gift of healing, these miraculous gifts, and gifts of tongues. And, and I looked at him, and we were having this long conversation, and, I was, and we were sitting over breakfast, and I just said, 
I said, Pez. I think went by. I said, no, no, no. I said to, uh, I said, Juddy. I think it was Juddy. I said, you just need to know, guys. I said, you know, I, I don't know why it came up in conversations, but I'm, I believe in the gifts, and I, I, I pray in tongues. And Juddy goes, <gasps> and his partner in ministry for the last three years goes, yeah, me too, Juddy. <laughs> right? It's like, that is awesome, right? And so the idea is this whole point. It's like, we don't want to hide those, right? We don't be afraid of them. We don't name them and get them out there, but do in the context of order of how Paul names it, okay? Keep on going. So, it's tongues. So, we hear stories of people praying in tongues and it being understood, right, in, in, a, in a specific language. Like, you ever heard of story, Mark Rutland? A lot of you heard of Mark Rutland tells the story of going down somewhere in South America and getting up to preach and his interpreters preaching with him, and, da, 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 da. and all of a sudden the interpreter stops and Mark's kind of looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, and he goes, Why aren't you interpreting? Like, because Mark can get kind of animated and frustrated, and he just goes, you're speaking in perfect Spanish. I don't need to interpret for you anymore, right? It's like, okay, great, right? Thank you, so I'm going. Like, that kind of stuff happens. I told you a story about me praying over my good friend Katie in tongues, and, and we get done, and all of a sudden she just says, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. I'm like, I don't speak in Spanish. I said, what did I say? She goes, you said you are my beloved and I am yours. You are my beloved and I am yours. Did I know that she was struggling with depression? No. Did I know that I know that, that, that Spanish was her actual secondary language and that she was studying in school, was passionate about it? No. Did I recognize she was struggling in the moment? No. Did God? Yes. It's powerful. Heard it in their language. But we also know that sometimes it's languages we don't understand. I mean, again, Paul makes it really clear in verse 2. For a one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Can be known languages. You see in Acts chapter 2, and they all heard them in their own language and were amazed. Acts 2 at Pentecost. So, for us, tongues is a beautiful thing used to build up and strengthen individuals in the body. And according to Paul, it's to be eagerly desired, not to cringe with. In use, it is not to be expressed in the body unless it's interpreted, for it is not beneficial for building the body, and lust is intelligible by the hearer. It is not a gift for everyone. This is where I know some people have different theologies that, no, Paul says, I wish that all of you would, and all of you go, go speak in tongues, and da 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 da. Right? And I would just say, <clears throat> I believe pretty clearly that, for me personally, that God pours out gifts as he wills and desires. That's what you hear in 1 Corinthians 14, right? That's so what I would say is there are some people who have different... They said, no, God wants to pour this out on everybody so they can all pray and for prayer language and blah, 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 blah. And it's only then a gift that God gives to speak in the church. And I would just say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine if you do, but here's where we must agree. So divisiveness does not step in. Tongues is not a necessary sign for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to believe that. We said instead, no, because honestly, no major theological stream holds to this belief anymore. Instead, we believe that any gift, including tongues, will be a sign of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make a whole lot more sense. Holy Spirit can only prove himself one way or show himself one way. That's silly talk. No, he can express any, himself any way he wants to. Why? Because he's Lord. All right, it's great. All right. And the last thing it says about it, we believe wholeheartedly the gift of tongues is still active in the church. And when used properly, is powerful for building up the body. We desire for those who have this gift to use it in your personal prayer times and when led to use it in the body for interpretation. Cool? All right, let's move on. I know some of you are like, I've got questions. I, I wish we could do that here. Fourth, the last one is prophecy, <clears throat> gift of prophecy. 
So Wayne Gruden, again, simply defines prophecy this way. Sharing something that God has spontaneously brought to mind, which sounds a lot different than Old Testament prophecy, doesn't it? We're going to talk about that in a second. Say that again. Sharing something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So let's put it in context. Scott Crawford and Bill Stevens. They're sitting right here, okay, with Rebecca in the middle, okay? So on Tuesday, about two weeks ago, Bill shared this in our, in our Tuesday night prayer time a couple weeks ago. He came to Tuesday morning prayer and said, guys, I've lost my wallet, all right? And Scott said, <clears throat> I was sitting, Bill said that, and immediately, it was like the spontaneous thought in my mind, he was that word, but that's what he was getting at. Spontaneous thought came to mind, it's under your seat in your car. And so Scott goes, and Bill's talking, he's lamenting over here. He's kind of like, he's kind of whining a little bit, but it's okay, man. No, he's sitting there. No, he's sitting there, right? And he's frustrated. He's like, oh, I can't believe I lost a wallet. I can't, it's been like 15 years since I lost it. And Scott goes, just seriously, look under your seat. And Bill goes, I've looked there already. You know, it wasn't trying to be rude. It's like a matter of fact. I've already looked there, just frustrated, right? So Bill says, he goes home. <clears throat> goes home, sitting there thinking about looking for his wallet. He also needs to remember the words of Scott. Okay. So he grabs his flashlight, walks out, leans under, puts his flashlight down, and shines it right on his wallet. Now, could that be coincidence? Yes. Right? Or could it be that God loved Bill enough to give a spontaneous thought to Scott about something as small as a wallet, but because he loved Bill, he wanted to make sure that Bill knew where it was? Spontaneous. Certain that God has spontaneously brought to mind. The idea in this is that God speaks to his children today, but not in the same authoritative way that he did in the Old Testament. How do we know this? Because you're not writing scripture today. Prophets in the Old Testament spoke with an authority that could not be questioned as they were the ones who were this oracle who were speaking directly for God. These prophets, if they were wrong in the Old Testament, could suffer the punishment of stoning because they were literally this call from God was so severe and so powerful. The equivalent to these prophets in the New Testament were apostles because they were the ones who were writing scripture. They were the ones who were proclaiming the words of God, right? In the New Testament, we don't see this same type of authority in the context of prophecy, of those who were considered prophets. Let's create a picture of this from from Acts 21, verse 10 and 11. I can read the whole thing. There's this prophet named Agabus. He says this. Thus says the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this. This is how the Jews, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Agabus is standing there with Paul in chapter 21 of Acts. Okay. Agabus is in there. He's a prophet. People know that he hears from the Lord, right? And I'm, I'm guessing probably, and I could see this is just my picture, right? I kind of read scripture, create a picture of it in my mind. I get to see, I could see Paul standing with Agabus and Agabus walking up and grabbing his belt. I to see, I'm not saying he did that. I'm just saying you could see him doing that, right? Grabbing his belt and said that the Jews will come and bind you up, Paul, and lead you off to the Gentiles. And so this happened, right? This happened in this moment. Agabus shares it. And later Paul was taken, bound by his own belt, as Agabus said, 
However, we are told in verse 33 of chapter 21 and in 22:19 that it was not the Jews who bound him. It was the Romans themselves. The Romans came and they bound him up and then let him off to the Romans. Now, not a big deal. Like, that's pretty, I mean, if that happened to me and I got like 90% of it right, that would be awesome, right? But that's not how Old Testament worked because it had the authority as if God himself were speaking and had to be accurate. What's the point of this? I'm getting at in my assessment is that Old Testament prophecy with a big P, authority of God speaking on behalf of God that can't be questioned. New Testament, small p prophecy, are those who, in relationship with God, have these spontaneous thoughts because of the Holy Spirit in them, who's Jesus to them, speaking to them, and they may get it wrong. How do we know they may get it wrong? Because Paul tells us that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 21, and later on in chapter 29 and 38, chapter 1 Corinthians 14, He says, test the words that are spoken. Why do you test something unless you could be wrong or that you may miss it? Listen, my personal experience, I've never missed Jesus. I'm just kidding. No, I miss him all the time. Like, so I'm going to tell you a story of missing Jesus. Like kind of, I missed him, but in the context of timing, that's really important. Like I can hear God in the midst of timing. So I am looking for a job and this job comes available in Omaha. Y'all know my story. I went to Omaha, but not yet. Right. And I go and interview and as I'm in prayer, I mean, I, I have this spontaneous, this conviction. This is what God has for me. I go out. I sit before I me. Mean, it was one of those like all day things, you know, like I am. It was this overwhelming meeting with elders. And I mean, I, I can't tell you all I'm at with. Right. 55 people at this church of 60. You know what I'm saying? It was like this, just everybody wanted to meet, right? So I go and I'm like, yes, I have this strong conviction. I've got relationship here. God, I really feel like you're leading me here to, to, to Omaha. And they call me and say, Steve, hey, we loved having you. You didn't get the job. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, I missed you, God. Then two years later, I meet this girl named Randall Miltides who's living in Omaha, worked at that church, and I end up moving out there and going on staff years later. My point is, like, God brings this conviction, but I, I missed it, didn't I? I was telling people, false prophet, right? Stone me, Old Testament-wise. Thank God for a little peace, right? No, like, oh, God, give me this job. I just trust the Lord in this. I know I've had this sent it with my spirit, right? Spontaneous thoughts in my brain that God's leading me to this. Didn't get it. Oh, what do I do? God, thank you that in our day and age, we're going to miss it. That's why we test the words, because we're not going to get it always right. Isn't it so great that you can't write scripture anymore? Isn't it so that the person next to you can't write scripture for you? Isn't it good that your overbearing parents can't write them for you, right? Can't give you authority where you're getting at, right? So this idea is this. That in the Old Testament, no one ever would have attested the authority of the prophets. Could you imagine if someone, I mean, Elijah had anger issues. Could you imagine someone coming to Elijah saying, you miss God? He would have bears come out of the woods and maul them like he did those poor children who called him baldy. I mean, 
That's sad. I mean, dude, get some deliverance, man. No, but you know, sorry, God, I can't. I should talk about life like that way. Anyway, so, but you know, I'm getting at this idea here. Never would question an authority. That's why it's different. Spontaneous thoughts, these things that we hear and we test them. So when we share, that's why we, listen, hear me. If you ever come forward to take the microphone to share a word, you say, thus saith the Lord, I will rip the microphone out of your hand and make you sit down. You don't have that authority anymore. You have the right to say, test this. Here's what I sense that God may be saying in the moment. You take that and see how that lands with you. All right. So with that being said, God is speaking. We believe he's still speaking. We need to listen and we need to speak what we what he shares. We cannot forget that Peter in Acts 2 tells the church that Joel's prophecy had been fulfilled that day. He says, and this is what this prophecy said. And it shall come to pass afterward at Pentecost that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. They shall hear the word of God spontaneously and then they will share it. When we share, Paul says it edifies and builds up the body. It's why we share. If you're sharing because you want people to look at you, you're in sin. Stop it. We're to edify the body. Chapter 14, verse 3. We've already read it four or five times. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. We build up the body and we make it stronger as we hear from the Lord and we share those words and submit them to people. And that the last thing is we have to make the statement, our authority in the word of God today is scripture. If somebody ever tells you something does not line up with scripture, you put handcuffs on them and take their mouths and say you can never speak to anybody else. Now, you know what I'm getting at, right? There's this idea that we have. I don't really do that. I'm just kidding. But, but we've got to take that serious. It's like no one, no one, God's never going to speak anything that contradicts what he says in Scripture. It is the ultimate authority. Donald G., most of us never heard of him. He's a great Pentecostal theologian of the early 1900s. A lot of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth. Smith used to go to his church and preach. One said this. I want you to read this on the screen with me because I think this is so powerful. I mean, he was there in the heyday, guys. Like those of you who, like love like charismatic and Pentecostal history. Like, I mean, he was the man. He was called the um, the uh, um, the apostle of balance because he came and kind of gave credibility with teaching specifically to these things that God was doing. He says this: great respect. Many of our errors, where spiritual gifts are concerned, arise. When we want the extraordinary and exceptional exceptional, to be made the frequent and habitual. Let all who develop excessive desire for messages through the gifts take warning from the wreckage of past generations as well as contemporaries. He says this, the Holy Scriptures, not words, kind of comparison, the Holy Scriptures are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let me say this. I don't trust people who have word to never spend time in the scripture. I don't. Because they're looking for an extraordinary experience versus actually diving into disciplines 
the word of God, which has authority. If you read back through Paul's writings and Peter's writings, what they don't always do, they always later on towards the end of the of kind of the, 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 the writing of the scripture, the writing of the canon, they all refer back to the authority of scripture. It's interesting to find in the first 100 years, really the first 70 years of the church, there's already this foundation that they've built upon that the authority is found, the authority of God's word is found in scripture. It is the big P. And that as we say little P, it always submits it to that. Therefore, we must be in scripture. We must devour God's word. And have it in us. Because I like this. When I get squeezed in life, I would much rather the words of God come out in moments. When I pray for someone, I'd much rather have the words of God come out than anything else. Every word that proceeds from my mouth and your mouth that we attribute to to words we believe God is speaking must submit themselves to Scripture. And hear this. And Scripture must be our first love when hearing from God. So this morning, you're like, this is what I came to receive this morning. I'm struggling. I got you, all right? We're going to pray for you in a bit. But prophecy and tongues are two gifts that Paul encourages us. And hear this. He wants you to eagerly desire the gift of tongues. He eagerly wants you to desire the gift of prophecy. He eagerly wants you to desire interpretation of tongues so that God, so God's church, his people can be built up. Are you? I don't, and, and if you receive like, oh, I feel so bad about myself. That's not Jesus. He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Eagerly get ex- Like, I don't like when I'm like, you remember like last birthday when your gifts were sitting on the table? I don't care how old you are. You still love gifts. You get these stoic guys like, oh, it's just a birthday. Whatever. You love gifts. You know it. Right? The gifts sitting there like, oh, I can't wait to open it. Mm. And you're trying to play it cool. No, I'm cool, man. We'll open it after dinner. Go. Whatever. It's like you eagerly desire this. You know what I'm talking about. Don't lie. You desire to open these gifts to go after, figure out what it is. Because part of the, it, aren't you, don't you know the, the greatest excitement about the gifts so often like that we get from people is the, is the what is it? It's like, I'm just like, I'm, a bit, like, I'm eagerly desiring, I'm, I'm passionate. God, what do you have for me? Are you eagerly desiring the gifts? So in Paul's words, we eagerly desire them. So practically speaking, how do we do that? What does that look like? So here's just five things. We'll talk more about this up in the upcoming weeks. But I want to kind of give you some practical like, steps to take in this. Number one, just be receptive. If you do this to Jesus, he's not going to shove himself down your throat. Right? He's not going to do it. We can thought, ah, ah, it's just gone somewhere with that one to make it a little bit more theologically deep. But <clears throat> it is interesting in Scripture when it says, fan into flame the gifts by the giving of the Spirit. Excuse me, the gifts given by the laying on of hands. Because basically what that's saying is that gifts can be given and then you can do nothing with them and they begin to die out. There's another place in Scripture that talks about that. And I apologize when I happen not here. But we have to be receptive. We have to be open, right? Second thing, check your motives. And make sure your love for God and your love for the body is present. Like you know why you're doing things. Be honest with yourself. Number three, 
open yourself to anything that God wants to do. Like I'll never forget, and this is going to be out of some of y'all's realm, but I'll never forget talking to someone and there's this movement, I don't get it, but of um, people like getting like gold teeth, like in these prayer, these like gat, these services. <clears throat> I remember going to one, like I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I remember praying, God, please don't give me gold teeth. <laughs> but if you need to, I'll take them Right, I got home like, praise Jesus. I didn't need to get them, right? But check your motives. and see, Open yourselves to anything that God wants to do. Don't just say, God, I'll take this gift, but not this one over here. Open yourself to all of them. Number four, this is a real practical one. Ask for the ones you feel drawn to. Like you open yourself up to anything, but if you come in and like, like, let's say I thought we'd get the tongues. You're like, that's really cool, but I have really no desire for that. But man, they, this working of miracles over here and humility, I just, I really would love to pray into that. I just get the administration in the moment. God, I'd love to get to the evangelism. I just see where I'm working. Then let's, then pray into that. Say, God, I submit myself to you, right? I, whatever we get, we're going to get. But God, I, I pray, God, that you would move with the, with the gift of evangelism, Lord. All right? <clears throat> Ask for the ones you feel drawn to. Number five, and this is one a little more difficult, exercise them. And no, it's going to be scary. It just is. Like, when's the last, you remember that, that cold cock you know, evangelistic sale you gave to somebody the other day? And you're like sweating and like praying, don't let them see you sweat, you know, and that whole thing. It's like, oh, man, it's always scary to step out in faith and trust that God's going to be God through you. And there's no better place to be, is there? Because when all of a sudden, whether God comes through or doesn't come through like you expect him to. Like, I, I mean, I'm there forgiving. I get that question asked me all the time when I pray for healing for somebody. And they're not healed. Like, oh, Steve, my gosh, how are you going to handle that? I'm going to handle it pretty well. Because I don't heal in the first place. It's up to Jesus, right? What am I going to do with that? That's on Jesus. It's not on me. What about Jesus? It's not my job to save face for Jesus. He's pretty good at doing it himself. All right. So there you go. Take those five things. Here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Recognize that God wants to pour himself out upon your life and he wants to move in your life. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring breakthrough. He also wants you to devote the best of your time to the priority of building up his body. And the gifts are the primary ways that he does that. And I'm just simply asking you to do what Paul said. Pursue love earnestly with zeal. Listen, and with intentionality, desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I'll tell you my own story. I've told it before. but I'll say it again here when we'll be done. I never forget, never forget sitting with this girl. I can see her face. I can't remember her name. That's terrible. Ugh. And we were in seminary together. And she also was in, she was, came to our college ministry a couple times. And, and we're sitting there, and, and I'm praying. And all of a sudden, I just get this subconscious this, you know, thing in my brain of knowledge, this word named John. And I say to her, scary moment. Just because I'm a pastor does not make it any less scary, right? I said, does the name John 
mean anything to you. See, I didn't go to say it the Lord. I was like, does the name John mean anything to you? I said, yeah, that's my dad's name. And she said that, I heard, subconsciously. Something happened from about when she was about five years old. It's all I heard. I looked at her and I said, did something happen to you when you were five years old? She said, my dad left home and I didn't, I never saw him again up until the last couple of years. And as clear as day, I just again thought, I said to her, I believe that God is saying within this year, he will redeem your relationship with your father. And she just began to weep. And I went, Jesus, that's on you, bro. (laughs) It's like, that's you. You got to make that happen. I'm just going to release that. Literally one year later, I show up at some sort of, I don't know what it is, some sort of gathering. I'll never forget. I see something out of the corner of my eye, someone running very, I did not see her again. And, and a year later, literally, I see something, and she's, and I look over, and she's running towards me. And I'm like, this is either really good or really bad. <laughs> and she comes over. She's like, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, try me. <laughs> right? And she just said, Three days later, my dad called me and asked me if we could do lunch. And she said, I went and we sat there over lunch and he wept as he apologized to me and said, I pray. And he said, he said, I'm hoping that we can redeem this relationship. And then I was like, yes, yes. Oh, Jesus, you know, whatever, right? It's like, oh, it's so good. Think about how loved she felt. Think about how the gift of administration would not have been that effective in the moment in her life. She was already a Christian. She didn't even evangelize. It was a great gift. No, God wanted to use the gift of prophecy to speak a word of love to her, to prepare her. Because here's the thing. If God had not spoken that into her, she may not have been willing to take that step with her dad because she may have been too scared. But that gave her the confidence and the faith that God was with her. I wish I had stories like that every day. But I tell you, those stories can become much more a fabric of who we are. This morning we're about 250 people. If God just moved that way in one of us every day... And then we come back and tell those stories. How awesome would that be? I'm not saying it's just one a day, but you know what I'm getting at. That's a lot of people, a lot of days, a lot of neat things. A lot of expressions of God's love. He wants to edify, build up his body. He wants to build up the individual through the gift of tongues and the body that's interpreted. He wants to move in the gift of prophecy. Why? Because he wants to build us up. He wants to save our wallets from impending doom. And he wants to express his love in these very practical ways. You're like, Steve, I'm not sure I believe you. Awesome. Just go ask Jesus and spend time with him. Go study the word for yourself. Talk to people. Don't talk to people who you know me anti-only. Talk to people you trust who are open to have these conversations. And say, God, if this is real, then I pray that you would make that clear to me. And then wait for him to give a prophetic word. He'll do that for you, okay? Subconscious thought. No. 
What does it sound like? You remember when Jesus pursued you for salvation? He wooed you to himself, and you couldn't deny that he was speaking to you? It sounds just like that. It sounds just like that. You, to, to, to receive salvation, you had to be wooed, and you know it. Because Jesus was speaking to you. It sounds just like that. All right? All right. Worship team, whoever's coming, harvest, you can come. All right, so this morning, I know you're like, well, Steve, I, walk. I, mean, I really needed you to speak about this this morning because this is why I came. So you talk about my marriage or talk about my kids or talk about my job or talk about my depression or talk about my fear. So, Jesus, I just ask right now that you would speak into those people right now, the words that you have for them. God, I, I don't always have the right words. You always do. I pray, Father, that you would open up ears today to hear the word of truth that you have for them. That's what you, your job is, Holy Spirit, is to lead people to Jesus and to remind them of everything that Jesus said while he was here on earth, according to the words of John. And I simply ask this morning that you would do that. I pray, Father, this morning that you would minister in a way that only you can through your people. I pray for our ministry teams that you would empower them this morning with the gifts of your spirit. And I pray today that people who are sitting here, who all of a sudden now, even now, you're beginning to stir some of these things, that they would not turn away from it to all of this over here that distracts them from the fullness that Jesus has for them. We're asking Jesus today that we would be people of Jesus. Have your way in us, God. We love you. Amen. All right. This morning, um, so those of you that are offering baskets, if you came prepared to give, we have an app on your phone called, go, to your, go search Vintage 242 in your app, and you'll find a Vintage 242 app, and you can even give there. It's pretty cool. We have communion available every Sunday. Why? Because we always, every Sunday, we want to remember as if it's it's alive today, the cross of Jesus. His expression of love, his body broken, his blood poured out. And then we have people just like you who are empowered by God's spirit to come and to minister to your needs. It's a beautiful thing last week watching so many people come forward in humility to receive from God through their family. And we just want to invite you to come this morning. If there are things you need prayer for, you can do that. Harvest saying the first are coming to the altar. This is our altar. This is a place you can come before the Lord and kneel before him and pray as long as you want to. We are officially done with our service today. Don't forget to sign up for all the cool sign-up things outside. But I am asking that you would do this work at home. I don't call it homework because you hate homework. Just do this work, these things at home. Be zealous in this. Strive in the power of God's Spirit by His grace leading us. Strive to give the best of yourself to pursue these things. All right. You guys have a great week. We love you.